Four, please. The Naked Golfist now driving. Welcome to another episode of the Knackered Golfist podcast. I am your host, the Knackered Golfist, and I'd like to check in with with folks that may uh, that may listen to this. Um, I don't know who they might be, but thank you for listening. Um, I don't know what is today's date. Today is October 9th, two thousand twenty, and um, it's in the evening. And I worked a full day today already, and so I am ready and willing to do this episode because I've been wanting to share a few things about I don't know uh, what what's been going on um, well first off it's October and October means that temperatures are coming down supposedly you have cooler mornings and you have um, more comfortable conditions to play golf in if you're in Northern California and you're not uh, like in the morning if you're if you're if you're having a nice cool weekend or sorry cool morning uh, in Northern California you're you might have some you might have to deal with some dew in the turf and you might have to deal with getting your shoes a bit wet walking on the golf course um, I really hope I'm able to play golf going into October before the time changes at the end of this month and then we have the um, something else is happening at the beginning of next month I don't know what it is I keep hearing something about it. Um, I, I just don't know what it could be because people are just going nuts over it. Anyway, um, the thing is is that October is also uh, airification month for many, if not all, golf courses in the Northern California region. That includes resort courses, private golf courses, uh, public municipal golf courses, that sort of thing. Anywhere where there's a putting green... Um, you know, in the vicinity or on a property somewhere, October is the ample time to do what's called greens airification. And what does that mean, folks? Greens airification is when you relieve the compaction from the soil using an airifier machine. And an airifier machine uses what's called uh, tines to remove old turf and old soil from the green. And that removes the whatever uh, compaction that the root has been uh, susceptible to for for people wearing golf shoes on the green and compaction and you know 300 people you know a, a bit hefty folks like myself you know causing more compaction and um, for the greens here in Northern California if you're if you're yeah greens mostly around here in Northern California unless they're brand new greens are usually if not always Poa annua greens, which means annual bluegrass. That poa annua is a sort of Latin name for annual bluegrass. So all the greens around here are poa annua greens, and they need to be taken care of because they have really, really shallow roots, and they also uh, need a bit, a, a lot more attention because of the uh, shortness of the roots, and so they tend to be a bit fragile. I mean, annual bluegrass is actually a weed in most uh, modern civil societies. And if you go down to, um, I, I mean, I've never been to Arizona. I've been to Florida, but I've never really seen a green in Florida. I did go to Disney World once back in the 80s. I think it was 1986 when I went there. which And I remember a lot of St. Augustine grass down there. Uh, but the thing about Poanya greens is that since the roots are really shallow, you need to keep them hydrated, especially when 
when it gets a bit hot um, during the summer. And so that that requires the greenskeeper and, you know, also the assistant superintendent to go out and hand water greens just so they stay alive uh, during the uh, during the hot times of the year. And you got to be careful because if you put too much water on these greens, they can get diseases such as anthracnose, dollar spot, uh, what's the other one? Uh, pythium, that sort of thing. Uh, and those are fungal diseases that you need to keep your eye on because if it gets really, really wet, that could really, it could, and also if your uh, temperatures are really hot, uh, the, the air and the soil gets really humid and so the, uh, the hot temperatures will actually kill the, uh, the turf and you can have widespread catastrophe death of greens if you don't manage what's going on. So when you come around to October, October is sort of a way for the superintendent to bring the so to sort of renovate the greens. And so renovating the green is sort of a normal cultural practice that always has to happen. And um, I hope this is recording. Yes, it is. So uh, airifications of greens is a normal cultural practice that the superintendent uh, has done. Um, usually the superintendent and the mechanic will, and also the, su the assistant superintendent, let's not forget that person, because that person has to bear the brunt of most, if not all, of the stuff that has to happen on the golf course. The superintendent has to deal with the public and the members and all that stuff. The assistant has to make sure the stuff gets done on the golf course. The assistant bears a lot, if not all, of the of the uh, responsibility of the uh, of the uh, practices that happen on a golf course. So, in light of that sort of uh, revelation that people are finally, if I don't know if anybody cares about the assistant, what he does, but. When it comes to greens airification, uh, the assistant has to make sure that the uh, the airifying machines are ready to go because the the mechanic has to be made aware and has to prepare the uh, airification machines to um, to airify greens. And usually, it happens about every it's like a two week period where you do the front nine one week on a Monday and a Tuesday. If not all, it, it, the front nine could be done on a Monday where you airify, you remove the cores by uh, a team of crew members that can remove the cores with, uh, with landscape rakes and shovels. And then you have the person that applies the top dressing sand, which is like a uh, washed grade silica sand that, can, that is actually used to fill the holes. Once, that's, once that sand is applied to the green... The uh, the the sun will dry out the, uh, the the sand, and then somebody can come along and brush or actually drag the sand into the holes. And so once that is done, if you want to be if you want to add a bit of maybe overseed of the greens or some uh, soil amendment sort of help for the soil to help. Uh, allow water and nutrients to percolate through the soil to help the turf uh, breathe. That's sort of an ample time to be able to do that. So um, that is sort of the process. So you got your airification, remove the cores, um, top dress with sand, 
drag the sand in, and then, and then you have to. There's a sort of a curing time, if not grow in, growing back sort of time that that the golfer has to get used to, which has become, which is sort of like, oh man, we got crappy greens to putt on, but we don't even know why they're doing it. It's like, oh well, that's why. You got to do it so they're alive for the other, uh, what do you call it, 10 months of the year, 11 months of the year. So, uh, airification is very important. Usually, when I was doing, was not, when I was in the business, we did it twice a year. And we did it, I believe, in March, and we did it in October. So, going into the season, and then coming out of the season. And, and hopefully, in October, you're going to have enough time to recover to go into the the uh, November month and also December. So you got Thanksgiving and you got Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff and Super Bowl and all that stuff. So that's sort of what has to happen on a green to help them survive the season. So that is... And then, and then within the time... I mean, it usually takes, in my opinion, it usually takes about a week to maybe heal from the airification that happened the week before. I mean, that's sort of like on a good, that's like on a good curve, a good learning curve. If it doesn't come back after a week, you got to be more patient with it. And you got to be, and, and you got to make sure that you, and then irrigation is key as well. You got to make sure your sprinklers are working on the green because you are um, <clears throat> making sure that the nutrients are getting washed down and also you have to make the green playable for the golfer the next day after you are done. Because if you're on a municipal course, it's going to be bad. It's going to be poor putting conditions. But you got to make sure that the green is decent for the ball to land on the green and also to roll. It's not going to be perfect. It's not. It's going to be. It's going to be way away from perfect. But it's got to be smooth enough to be somewhat acceptable. Especially on a municipal course, so so the the golfer has to the golfer has to be cognizant of that. And I really wish that the folks in the pro shop would sort of lower the rate for the golfer to be able to. It's like, oh, we just airified our greens. Here's a fifty uh, percent discount because the greens are going to be they're they're not going to be as good as they were last week, and so. I'm I'm pretty sure that the course takes a hit during airification week because of the poor green quality afterwards. But you know it's part of the it's it's all part of the ecosystem that has to happen on the golf course. It's all part of being I don't know how you call it uh, the circle of life on the golf course. You gotta you gotta factor in greens airification and how important it is for the golf course to survive because you have to have good greens for the customer to play on and it's just it's just common knowledge that you have to have good greens and so this is how you maintain good greens so the next day after after the greens verification has happened you have to you have to fi- you have to configure a greens mower to how do i say this you got to you got to be able to sort of you have to be able to mow you, it's like you have to mow the green even though it has a bunch of sand on it and you have to factor in that you're going to lose 
a set of reels and a set of bed knives to be able to mow the green after aerification. So what you have is you have a dedicated greens mower that is strictly for the sand greens to mow the greens maybe the week after you know the week after you've aerified the greens. And so with that being said, I mean I'm not an expert with mechanical stuff as far as mowers go, but you have to let this sort of you have to let this set of reels go to being dull and being ruined because of the sand. The sand will ruin and dull the the, the knives on the on the reel mower. And if you have a triplex uh, greens mower, which is a a drivable unit that has three wheels, it's sort of a tricycle that has three uh, <clears throat> what do you call it reels on it. You have your reel, you have your roller, you have your bed knife, you had your you have your grass catchers. Um, I remember working on uh, the last golf course I volunteered at was actually Cameron Champ's uh, Foothill Golf Foothill Golf Center in Citrus Heights, and um, I was there. I was there to help out uh, with the aerification. I helped uh, change cups over there, and I helped uh, with the aerification of the greens. I, I was I ta- I was top dressing uh, s- sand on the greens. And so that was a whole sort of process and procedure that had to be done. That hadn't been done for a really long time up until uh, the Champ Foundation bought the golf course. And so uh, I haven't been back there since uh, since actually last year in October when uh, when they did it. So I hope they're doing well. And uh, Cameron Champ had a pretty good year this year. So anyway, um, where was I going with that? So then you have your week of the greens mower mowing the sandy uh, greens. And then after that, you sort of make the decision like, okay, how's the ball rolling on the green? Are you able to go on the green and still you're still seeing a bunch of sand? So now hopefully by the end of the first week, you're able to see the turf sort of healing from the aerification hole that happened back on Monday. And because you've you've amped up the uh, nutrition in the green with with uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, the green is is store, is is going to fill in the holes. And so you have your poa annual grass, and and I think if you overseed if you overseed a green, it might be better suited to be put down in April or actually March because you're going into the growing season instead of coming out of it. I don't know if guys still do that or if they even do that at all because. I don't know. I remember being a superintendent at a putting course in Valencia, California, and they already had the uh, the SR1020 greens. And I made the decision. It's like I was young. I had no clue. It's like uh, I put. I think I mixed in some Pencross bent grass in this SR1020 greens combination. So it's sort of it sort of had a grayish and green sort of flowing of the greens. I thought it looked cool, but I, I had no idea really what I was doing. Because I was really, really stressed out. So, um, so then what else happens? So then you have the gr- the the holes in the greens are actually coming back and they're healing, and so you, the, it's sort of like a quilt coming together. You know, you're, they're starting to knit the roots and the uh, the the foliage is starting to knit back together, and um, it's 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 sort it's the normal thing that the green recovers from. So the green has to recover from being renovated, and so it's just a it's just a process of time. And 
proper cultural management skills and guys that know what they're doing, the green keepers and the superintendent and the assistant superintendent, the mechanics, you know, all of them have to be involved in <clears throat> in the big deal of having the greens come back after verification. And so it's a really big, it's a really big deal. And um, it's got to be the most, it's probably the most, um, how do you call it? It's the most important thing that you can do on a green other than fertilizing the, well I mean you have all these other things like irrigation fertilizing verticutting top dressing with sand changing the cups uh, mowing the green you know I think airification of the greens is almost is probably uh, a bit it's, it's the it's the one it's the thing that you do twice a year but it's as important as mowing the green every day if you have your green on a regular cultural practice of aerification, you're going to have a good green and you're going to have a good soil profile and you're going to have, how do you call it? You're going to have good greens to put on. You're going to have nice smooth greens and you're not going to have uh, really weird undulations in the greens from, and, and also another thing that the aerification does is it, it reduces the thatch on the green and thatch is really, really, um, Thatch is a layer that uh, should also be removed with what a process called verticutting. And verticutting removes the thatch. And when you verticut, you then sort of do a light brushing of top dress sand. And that, and you sort of brush it in with a with a with a with like a welcome mat kind of thing behind a behind a cart. And um, so thatch, and because th because if you have a big huge thatch layer on a green. The nutrients can't penetrate the top of the soil or the top of the plant, and it's not able to go down into the plant where the roots can take up the nutrients like the water and the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So thatch is like a, a, a really thick layer that is really hard to get through, and aerification breaks all that up. So you have your aerification, you have your top dressing of sand. You, a lot of times you can add a lot of soil amendments to the sand as well. And along with um, granular uh, fertilizers and stuff like that. So, uh, aerification is important. And it usually happens in October. And believe it or not, this isn't the thing I want to really talk about tonight. I really wanted to talk about Sergio Garcia. Can you believe it? Sergio won again! I can't believe it! And he won in Mississippi! Good lord! No, it's great that he won. I really didn't think that he'd win another tournament. Um, because he won the Masters back in, when was it, 2017? He didn't need to win anything else for the rest of his life, and he won the Masters. But it was great to see him win with a really tight second shot on the 18th hole where he probably had three-footer for birdie, and he won. So, bien, uh, bueno, muy bueno <laughs> for Sergio. So, great on him to win. And um, I'm glad that he won, and I'm glad that he had uh, he had a great victory down there in Mississippi. So um, anyway, that's awesome. So anyway, thanks a lot. See you tonight, folks. Anyway, no, this is that's the last one. Um, so what I wanted to talk about is I, I bought a putter on eBay, and I found this putter, and I had been looking for it on the GolfReview.com, and also eBay and also uh, the old school ping group on Facebook 
There's one other guy that may have a version of this putter, and I think he may have the the either the beryllium copper version or the magnesium bronze version. But I found a ping five by Karsten putter. And this is a putter that I have never seen before. I never saw it in the stores. I never saw it um, advertised on any sort of commercial or anything. I never saw a tour player using it, but it looks like... It looks like one of these um, sort of Scotty Cameron answer looking things, but it's not an answer. It's not an answer at all. I'm looking at it right now off to my left, and... Uh, the Ping 5 by Karsten, this is the stainless steel version. And right off the bat, you really got to factor in that stainless steel is is extremely light. And I think, uh, I mean, I went to Hagen Oaks today after they airfied the, gr the practice green. And it had been healed. It looked like it was healed for maybe about a week, a week and a half. So it was, it was decent. It wasn't perfect. It was decent. And it had a decent roll on it. But um, this putter was really good. This putter, I mean, it has a really long neck on it, and it's face balanced. And what I like is that you got the word ping right behind the face of the putter, and it right it says ping, and then underneath ping it says by Karsten, and then it has the ping uh, number five on there. But this is so interesting. This is, I mean, this is taking the answer design to the next level, and I really think that. Um, it's sort of a. Uh, I mean, you t you put up you put the pu the putter head is huge actually. I have one of these um, uh, the ping go in five, and actually the the head is just huge on that one. And then this one is a really close second place on that because this is a really big head. But it's big and it's gorgeous, and it's it's sort of like I don't know. It's sort of like um, something that you see that's accentuated on something that really looks good and you see it somewhere else apply it in a different sort of situation and you're thinking oh my god that really looks awesome it really looks awesome and so there's a really really big sweet spot on it and it's all cast and um really big sweet spot and you have um sort of the equal sort of weight distribution on the top and the bottom of the putter that is I guess I'd like to say it's on the north and the south side of the putter or on the heel oh, sorry on the heel and on the toe there you go that's what it's called but it doesn't really look like there's a lot of uh, well it doesn't really look like there's a lot of loft in this either I don't know what the loft is and I really don't know when this came out um, but even and on the neck, on this long neck here, it says made in the USA. So I'm thinking when they started putting made in the USA on there, I think it was like mid-90s, if not late 90s. And then on the face of the putter, you have the word ping on the heel of the putter. But I just think this is gorgeous because it's so sort of, I mean, it's rare for one thing. And it's something I've never seen anybody use on the green. And I saw a picture of it, and I'm like, oh my god, that looks cool. I've never seen that. And I and I really wanted to get my hands on one to try it, and I finally have it. And it was for a really reasonable price from a store in eBay. I think it's called Bob's Better Golf. In uh, it's, He's out of Pennsylvania, or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Lawndale, Pennsylvania, if that's correct. So Bob's Better Golf on 
eBay is a really good place. That's where I got this putter. And so check that guy out, and he has some good deals. And he actually, I asked him, hey, can I have a throwaway head cover for this putter? And he sent me one. It was great. It's an old Odyssey uh, putter cover. And holy smokes, this guy was nice enough to send me one. And uh, I really appreciate it. So um, I'm actually going to send him a link on this podcast episode for him to hear that I thanked him so profusely on this. So I don't know. I just really like this. I really like it. I mean, you you take a look at it and, and, and from the stainless steel uh, perspective, it's really got a lot of offset on it, which I think is good. And... I think if, if if I'm putting like the Seve Ballesteros way where I have the toe up, I think the putter head sort of wants to fall to the left because that's sort of the way the, the weight is going, the weight distribution or something like that. But um, but what I noticed on the green, I, I, I started to get pretty accurate with it when I first started using it. What am I up to now? Sorry, I got to check the time. Oh, I'm up to 25 minutes. Anyway, um, so I was using this on the green, and it really sort of, uh, it really felt good, and it really um, felt solid. I mean, it was a lot like the feeling that I got. You remember when the Ping Answer 2 was out on the market? Well, I remember back in the 90s when I was, a co- when I was, a, uh, when I was going to college at Cal Poly Pomona, I used to go to a place called Mountain Meadows Golf Course in Pomona, California, and I would putt on their fairly large uh, putting green. And what I really wanted to experience was I wanted to f- I wanted the um, I wanted to feel the balata feel on a ping stainless steel putter. And I I the only way I mean the, there was only one time when I experienced something like that, and that was when I went to Mountain Meadows and they had a a ping answer to putter on their display and I just tried it out on the green and I had these what were called the precept extra spin golf balls they were the ball that uh, that Nick Price and Ray Floyd was using and this was that was sort of the uh, the modern day two-piece uh, tour player ball with extra spin it, it was a Bridgestone precept extra spin EV or and the number said like 010203 or 04 and years and and back in that time, I saw Nick Price, and he signed a ball for me, and it was it was a precept extra spin. That was his ball. That was his ball that he sort of he marketed that ball. That was the year. That was the couple years where he won the Players Championship. He won the British Open, and he won the PGA in the same year. Sorry, he won the P, he won the Players in '93. He won the uh, British Open in 94, and he won the uh, PGA in 94. So that was a really exciting time for Nick Price. Oh, and he won the PGA in 92 as well. But in 92, he was playing for Spalding, and I think he was using the Tour Edition ball. So anyway, um, so the, the, the feel that I got from this putter this ping by karsten 5 putter the stainless steel was very very similar to the feel that i got with that ping answer 2 the stainless steel ping answer 2 with the precept extra spin ball and so it felt really solid and it really felt good and back then also greg norman was using the ping answer 2 but he had he had his um he had a, a huge block of lead right behind the uh, the sweet spot that i finally was able to 
see again when when Greg Norman was doing his little uh, Instagram video a few months ago, where he talks about his golf clubs and all this stuff. He there was a picture of a, his rack of all of his Cobra forged irons and his and his persimmon woods and his King Cobra. Um, you know, King Cobra, what do you call it? The, the, the deep face drivers. He had a whole sort of drawers full of the heads. And he talked about how he, um, was sort of using sandpaper on the, uh, on the face of the, of the driver and all that stuff. But anyway, Greg Norman using a ping answer too. That's kind of the feel that I wanted to experience. And, and I finally, I think I finally did that. So tonight before doing this episode i put a little bit of lead tape underneath i i guess it's called the flange or the uh what do you call it the windowsill yeah that's what i'm gonna call it the ping uh the ping putters usually have a windowsill right behind the uh the face of the putter that's in the so that's right behind the sweet spot that's a great place to put lead tape and so i did that and um I'm going to try it again on a green maybe in the next, uh, hopefully tomorrow. Maybe I'll find a good green that's, that's, that's able to be putted on. And then I think, I mean, the, 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 the Bob's, uh, sorry, the, uh, the eBay store really put a good grip on this. It's the, uh, it's the Golf Pride, the Pro Score grip. And I really like it. I, I really hope that I don't have to cut it off and put it another one because I really want to have lead tape behind the butt of the uh, club the butt of the putter is is that's the way it's it's sort of back weighted and it's able to be more balanced I think uh, on the green and I do that with all my putters whenever I regrip a putter I put some back weighting lead tape on the uh, butt end of the club which I think is a good sort of practice to have because it's good to have. It helps the putter to be more balanced, in my opinion. I really think that that helps because um, it's not all about having the head be all of the weight, you know. Because you need to be able to, you need to be able to feel um, more in your hands than just the the weight of the head. I think. And then I didn't mention this, but the putter is thirty four point five inches. So uh, I found out that my ping answer is uh, 34 and a half inches. And I'm going to see how that goes because there's a couple other putters I have that's like 35, 36 inches. And I'm really tall. And I hope that that is um, ample long enough for me to be successful with. So I'm sort of, I'm sort of aching to want to go out and play golf, but I really don't want to be screwed by bad greens. I want to make sure that the greens are healed up to be... For me to have a good time on the greens to be able to score with my improved putting technique that uh, that I was inspired by Mr. Sevi Ballesteros. So anyway, um, I kind of think that, oh, and then, oh, I, w- I don't know if I was going to do this or not, but um, I was just thinking, it's like, what if I did a stunt on a green at a public golf course where I brought my own cup cutter and I changed my cup for me to putt on it only. And nobody else is able to putt put on that hole. Because I am really getting tired of going to these greens and having the put, the cups being inverted on the green. I really want the ball to fall in the hole. And I really want to experience what it's like for these tour players to play on a green that has a hole that's correct. I'm sick and tired of going to these greens. I mean, this is a rant session here. This is the knackered golfist rant, okay? What is it? 
with these golf courses always having the cups on the green cut upside down. What is that? What is that? That's a problem to me. If I'm playing on a green and I'm practicing, I want the ball to go in the hole. I don't want the ball to drop in the hole and then drop out the way I saw today. No, I am tired of that. Can we please? And, and But one good thing about that is that there's no more stupid putting green pins. I really can't stand that. You really get a better experience where you're on the green and you're reaching in and grabbing your ball out of the hole. That's the whole point. Is that you need to have some abdominal exercises to be able to reach down grab that ball out of the hole and put it down and go to the next hole that is a process that i miss and i really hope it doesn't come back so on the one side i want to be able to put the ball into the hole and reach down in the hole and take the ball out i really don't want to go to a cup that has been chewed up by people using their putters to get the ball out of the hole that way, it's not a clean cup for me to putt into. I'd rather have it the way I want instead of the way times are right now. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Knackered Golfers podcast. See you next time. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist now driving.